You're listening to Kantar Australia's Bite-Sized Insights Podcast. A fortnightly 10-minute snapshot of insights helping brands and marketers better connect with consumers. So my name is Brian walker Catchpile. Welcome to Bite-Sized Insights. Today I'm joined by Carolyn Reid, who is the Head of Qualitative Research here at Kantar Australia. Carolyn, how are you? I'm absolutely wonderful and very much looking forward to going back to work in the office. Back to work in the office. I'm, I'm the opposite. I actually don't necessarily want to go back uh, to the office per se, but maybe a bit more of a back to, like a general back to work. I think I'm kind of keen for that. Um, we're talking to you because as the head of qual, you talk to and listen to a lot of Australians as, as part of that um, you've kind of got some thoughts around, you know, this the situation that's happening in terms of COVID and its impact on Australians. Uh, we should mention up front that we are speaking on uh, the 7th of May 2020. So uh, the situation might change uh, pretty quickly. There is an expectation that there may be some announcements from the federal government tomorrow regarding uh, a lifting of restrictions. At the same time, um, there's always the potential that those restrictions could be reintroduced if um, the coronavirus outbreaks happen again or that we, we, we don't really know in terms of, a, I guess, a, a what, uh, what's going to happen in terms of a new normal. But why don't we just talk about what we know so far and, Carolyn, what you've heard from, uh, from Australians. Let's start with um, how our lives have changed post-COVID. So what, how, how have our lives changed and how are we behaving and thinking differently? So the first thing that's probably worth commenting on is, uh, like any scenario, right now there's this catch-ready phrase of the new normal. And what we're doing and what Australians are experiencing is so far from normal that it's, it's, it's incomprehensible. And emotionally, they keep talking about craving the way things were, where they felt they had greater surety in their lives. So... Worth, worth highlighting that this, this this new normal or what a new normal will be like is perhaps a little bit deceptive. Um, what they're telling us loud and clear is they feel their lives have been turned upside down. Um, and that's largely in part because of enforced isolation. Now, we've all seen the news, we've all seen stories of people rushing back to beaches, rushing to parks, um, not respecting social distancing. But for the most part, most people are respecting those boundaries. Uh, But they're starting to talk about they're craving freedom. Mm-hmm. They're craving takeaways. They're craving, you know, meeting, you know, their mate for a coffee or a beer at the pub, doing those things that suddenly have such stickiness in our lives because we're fundamentally social creatures. Mm. And it's all of those social creature habits that people are really screaming out for. Um, you know, seeing their family, you know, with Mother's Day literally days away, uh, the most exciting things people are telling us right now is they cannot wait to get together, however small the circle might be, as a family. But they're also talking about the care that they're going to take to do that, particularly people who have older parents mm. who are very fearful about any risk associated with that. I think the big thing is that the loss of routine 
um, brings about a desire for, you know, a normality that brings with it comfort. And so we're all feeling slightly uncomfortable. People are talking about, you know, how hard they're now finding it to sleep. You know, the first couple of weeks, kids have been saying it was awesome. You know, we didn't have to go to school and you know, homeschooling seemed exciting. Now those same kids are saying, you know, I can't wait to get back in the classroom. I can't wait to be with my friends. I can't wait to see my teachers. Whoever thought you'd hear your kids say, can't wait to see my teacher. Um, and this whole thing we do, we try to tell our kids not to have too much screen time. Well, all those rules have gone. You know, <laughs> totally. They're having limitless screen time and they're going, um, I don't want it. I'd rather be in a classroom. Um, I think one of the other really interesting uh, behaviours is, you know, we've had to learn to cook again. I, I don't know about you, but I'm overcooking in our house. Um, <laughs> and parents are saying that they're behaving as though it's, you know, a holiday period because they can't fight over screens and they can't struggle emotionally to fight over mealtimes. So they're exhibiting sort of, you know, treat holiday behaviours. Um and they're saying, you know what, as a family, we're all feeling a little bit closer to one another for doing that. Yeah, it's interesting, the, this sort of, a, I guess, the balance that we're, we're sort of striking between, a, a, you know, a, a less social world, but then a more intimate world in many respects as well. If you're in a situation, I guess, you know, where you, you, know, where you live with a family, I guess it's probably different if you're, if you're single or, you know, not quite as, as connected as some other people in the community. Literally, we're just we're currently doing interviews with families, and we're we're interviewing them as families, um, courtesy of Zoom. Yeah. Uh, and we're talking to people who live alone, and the the difference is actually quite overwhelming. You know, as much as families are, are coming a little closer together, that they're also you know honest enough to talk about some of the tensions and strains. Uh, for those people living alone. Um, particularly for those not working, they are really doing it tough. So they talk about their social network and, you know, they're having lots of, you know, uh, FaceTime calls. Um, they're talking to people rather than texting in a way that they didn't used to. Um, but, but particularly for the extroverts, they're having a really tough time of it. There's, they, they're talking about depression, um, anxiety at a whole new level. And the other thing that I think that it's easy for us to miss in all this is for those people who are still working and adjusting to, you know, running meetings, you know, via tech, yes, we've learned that, gee, these things can work. Um, but for those that don't have a job or are working reduced days or hours, uh, there's a whole different level of anxiety. And it's this traditional highlight between the, the, the haves and the have-nots, the people with a little bit of money in the bank that they can keep paying their mortgage, you know, they can keep putting food on the table, and those people who are going, I don't know that I can make next month's rent slash mortgage payment, and I don't know what I'm going to do. So, you know, there's a socioeconomic divide that we would be naive to be overlooking right now. Yeah, yeah. Um you talked about, uh, I guess, how we've changed our behaviour and how we're thinking differently. What messages are resonating with us in these new circumstances? What's sort of cutting through? I guess, what is it that we want to hear or what is it that we're actually receptive to? 
So there are a couple of interesting things. And if you think back to the Australian bushfires and how people pivoted to community, pivoted to getting behind the, the fireys and the, the volunteers and the people reaching out to help one another, we're seeing exactly the same thing exhibited and people reaching out to support health care workers. Um, we're all looking at teachers and childcare workers differently now and realising the value they have. And so the brands and the communications that are using that more uh, community focus, that more coming together as one sentiment, um, are doing really well. Now, the irony, of course, is that lots of brands are trying to jump on that bandwagon. Um, and they're using similar, you know, if we're here, we're all in this together one more time, we're, we're probably going to, you know, want to scream. <laughs> but, but nonetheless, for brands like Dove, that have done it well in keeping with, you know, their campaign for real beauty with the healthcare workers in the US, Jack Daniels, sociability, bringing together, coming together. That's the right, brands, yeah. The brands that moved fast and did it in the spirit that was true to who they were as a brand, they've done it really, really well. Um, we've seen in Australia McDonald's pivot to helping people by offering bread and milk through takeaway you know, brands that have responded by meaning a genuine human need and doing it in a way uh, that's reflective of, of an attitude of help, uh, they're doing incredibly well. Um, I think what's interesting is that Australians are saying they want brands to play a leadership role. They want them to stand up and be counted right now. Um, and you can see that there's this tension between federal government and state government and, you know, the, the state leaders emerging as never be before. We're seeing exactly the same thing happening in the United States. Mm -hmm. uh, we, you know, look to the UK uh, and who stands out, you know, a 94-year-old great-grandmother is on every major billboard in London um, saying we will be together again. You know, we, we will be okay, you will be all right. Uh, you know, and then saying, and because this is important to people, uh, we're not going to celebrate my birthday yeah. with the, the usual fanfare and flourish because it would be inappropriate. Now, if you've watched The Crown, absolutely, she's completely on brand. But, <laughs> what is it, but what is it about our other leaders that these people are filling the void? You know, look at Captain Tom Moore. He's just turned 100. You know, how many million is it now? It's sort of like the equivalent of over 50 million Australian dollars that yeah. he's right. 27 million pounds, I think, last last count. Amazing. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. And, you know, where where is the shortfall? Um, you know, some people have dubbed this the, the boomer remover, and yet it's the, the older citizens around the world that are leading some of the compelling stories you know, you look at the health guy advising Trump, you know, he's a 79-year-old. There, There is a place for everyone and a space for everyone. And, 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 and interestingly, from a brand perspective, those brands going through a resurgence right now, especially comfort food brands, you know, those brands from our childhood that we're all returning to that, that period of nostalgia, uh, that, some of them are seeing huge spikes mm -hmm. Um that if they could find a way to capitalise on that, you know, they're, they're bringing in new audiences, but they're playing to their traditional bases. 
it reinforces that thing that we're looking for familiarity and we're looking for those brands that offer us, you know, mental and emotional nutrition. So we talked a bit about, I guess, a new normal for for us, or perhaps it's not a new normal because things have really changed. Um, what is it the brands need to think about in terms of a new normal? Is there a new normal for brands? What, what's the new world look like for them? So the new normal for brands is ensuring that you're not tone deaf. Um, you know, our clients are telling us, how can we make sure that we're on message and not communicating in a way that could be misinterpreted? How can we be, you know, amplifying our desire to be present and to be helpful? You know, an example of that is the, the Westpac ad, uh, simply telling people how to do online banking. You know, easy to think that we all know that, whole raft of people who who don't, uh, you know, Coles on air telling people how to, you know, order and shop online. Mm. There's, there's a new normal around sharing and connection. You know, brands like Coca-Cola that are the cheerleaders for the, the happy moments of our lives, you know, those are the brands that need to be reminding us um, that, that together we can succeed and that there's joy in social connection. There's joy in those emotional brands that bring people together. Uh, you know, I think that there's going to be a little bit of a backlash to some of those brands that don't um, or that make fun of people or that make fun of scenarios or think that they can rely on cliches and stereotypes. They're going to feel a little bit dated right now. Um telling people how you can save, talking about values for money rather than just discounting and value for money. That's a whole new level. And, you know, the amplification now of sustainability, uh, you know, we're hearing it in a way that before it's something that's not cool to not say you agree with, but now it matters. Buying local, uh, you know, air miles and the shame that will now be, you know, further associated with them there are all sorts of issues now that are going to emerge around brand purpose and staying true to the spirit of who you are that's where brands just need to do a health check mm -hmm. they may, some of them may not need to change some of them may need to focus on more tactical activity uh, but absolutely this is a time to talk about sharing about the role you play in giving people um that 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 physical, mental and emotional nutrition they're looking for and craving, those kind of messages are going to be the difference between those brands that sound as though they understand where I am, how I feel right now versus those that don't. Okay, then. And if, um, if any of our listeners want to hear a bit more about uh, what's shaping the behaviour change uh, that we're seeing or maybe even want to talk about uh, a bit of a health check for their brands. What should they do? Who should they speak to? They could reach out to myself, to, to you, Brian. We've got an amazing amount of information in terms of ideas, thought starters, insights on what's happening. Um, but, but reach out. Don't be afraid uh, just to pick up the phone and have a conversation with us because we've got so much knowledge and it's moving so fast. And, you know, as you said at the start of this conversation, um, we're anticipating uh, change with federal announcements, but what we're also hearing is people are saying, no matter what the government says, I'm not going to be quick to rush back. Yes, I want to get out. Yes, I want to be with my friends and family, but I'm scared. 
Yeah. I'm scared about being in crowded spaces. I'm scared about being in open plan offices with lots of people. And you know, should I should I wait? And how long should I wait? And if there's a spike, what happens next? So don't think it will all be over in a hurry. Um, if you have a brand that's relevant to that scenario. Uh, and protecting people and making them feel less vulnerable, now's the time to be communicating with them and, and, and having a chat to us about how we can help. Awesome. Carolyn, thank you so much. That was fascinating. Let's just see how things happen. I guess that's all we can really do. So thank you very much for your time. Awesome. Great talking to you, Brian. Get your new bite-sized insights every second Tuesday. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your favourite podcasts. Find out more at kantaraustralia.com.